Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The president came to the Capitol for the second time in a month and failed to close the deal. Liberals are not satisfied, so despite the stagecraft of a presidential visit this morning, nothing is settled. This is why a version of the bill appeared today. It's far from final. It's a framework on steroids. People have said, I want to see text. The text is up. Uh, The text is up for review, for consideration for review. This is the legislative process. So our great-grandpa president entered a caucus meeting of Democrats Thursday morning and told them, I want to speak from the heart. I had a health care. Then he made one of the biggest gambles of his career that spans about a half century. He said, future of my presidency, the state of the party, the House, the Senate, it's all on the line. You've got to rally behind me and pass my... $1.7 trillion turning America into France plan. I don't think it's hyperbole, said our chief executive. To say that the House and Senate majorities and my presidency will be determined by what happens in the next week. And all the Democrats, AOC, Ilhan Omar, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, the radicals on the left, the centrists on the, well, center... They all fell to their knees weeping, weeping, grateful for the leadership the Ancient One had brought to Olympus and said in one voice, F you. They didn't agree on anything. They went back to arguing, disagreeing, wrangling, bargaining all day, all night. Couldn't even come to a vote yesterday. The thought was Nancy Pelosi was just going to say, screw it and say, all right, are y'all going to vote now? Y'all gonna, you're not going to fall in the line, all right? You're not going to talk to each other? Now you're going to put your butts on the line. We're going to get record what you think and you're gonna vote and you're gonna say yes sir you're gonna say no. but by the end of the day it was so clear they had just no coalition they they didn't have enough votes to pass anything no version of this that they could cook up they just punted to say nah, we'll look at it next week now if you're a news junkie like jack and i are oh and by the way jack is we're hoping he joins us at some point today i'm not terribly optimistic he's got the vid he's got the fauci fever um, in spite of being fully vaccinated, he's pretty darn sick. I mean, not like scary sick at this point, but he, he did hardly sleep and he just feels miserable uh, sick, which is uh, which is unfortunate. Of course, you know, the claim of the vaccine, the actual legitimate claim is that it'll keep you out of the hospital or dying in the vast, vast majority of cases. Uh, we're keeping an eye on the boy and making sure, you know, he's doing all right, but um Meanwhile, if you hear me sniffling, it's just a cold, I think. Although I went to the uh, the, the pharmacy and got the official uh, swab. Not the uh, right up into your brain swab, but the other one. That's pretty accurate. I'm looking for results today or tomorrow. But anyway, blah, blah, blah. Um, so where was I? Oh, so if you're a news junkie like we are, um, you've been following this stuff. And this very drama i mean the framework of it the uh the uh, they're wrangling but they're getting close they're they're late night negotiations they're gonna have a vote or sir we're gonna have a vote and then they say now nah, we're gonna have a vote tomorrow we're gonna have it next week we're gonna this has been going on for weeks and weeks now and the old man went off to to rome to harangue the pope and try to convince him that or- abortion is just jolly good fun and uh and whatever else and then to the the big climate conference in glasgow um without the legislative victory and he himself said, this is my presidency. This is the Democratic Party. This is the House. This is the Senate. 
Now, you know, that's old Joe doing the sincere whispery thing. That's, that's what he does. But the fact that the Washington Post is printing all this and saying, yeah, yeah, honestly, if he fails at this, he's screwed. It's a failed presidency. Biden's agenda in many ways his presidency, they wrote, has teetered on the verge of catastrophe in recent weeks. Before he and Democratic congressional leaders slowly started to resolve inter-party conflicts, blah, blah, blah. But how and whether Biden can navigate a Congress that Democrats have only a nominal control over with razor-thin majorities in both chambers has been one of the most enduring questions over his first nine months in office. Uh, how and whether he can navigate the Congress? He can't. I don't think he can. I just think the Democratic Party is too divided. Which leads to mostly gridlock, mostly nothing happening. And while I would love to see some money invested in our highways and our bridges and our, our, our you know, uh, ports and, and such, because it, it helps us all. It helps the economy. I think it's probably a legitimate use of government money going way back to old Abe Lincoln when he was in the Illinois legislature, got into a big fracas over this, whether it was an appropriate thing for the state of Illinois to build uh, canals. Anyway. For you know, a couple hundred years or a hundred years, certainly, we've been saying, yeah, that's a good expenditure of our money. So I don't mind a little bit of spending on infrastructure. But these two gigantic bloated bills in the wake of all the money that's been spent and the rampant inflation we're seeing, they're just awful. So, you know, the, the mainstream media, which is almost exclusively left, as you know, uh, they talk about gridlock as if it's a terrible thing. It's not. It's not. If. There isn't enough consensus among our elected representatives to do something. Don't friggin' do it. <laughs> That's fine. Inaction is better than action. Sometimes. Sometimes. Speaking of things the government has done, they've ordered a Chinese phone carrier to leave the United States. Good. Coming up, we'll talk about the timeline for kids to get jabbed with the coronavirus vaccine. I'm not comfortable with that at all. Uh, let's see. Oh, oh, oh. Also, um, the folks at the dispatch did a nice picking apart of the whole was it gain of function or wasn't it thing. We'll touch on that this hour if we can. We're going to talk to Steve Hilton, I believe, next hour. Isn't that right? Uh, yeah, in, in hour three of the show. Yeah, I'm getting the thumbs up. Thanks, Michael. Uh, but uh, as real estate is both a hobby of mine, something I'm really interested in, I've actually you know dabbled in that industry, and it's so fundamental to a lot of our financial well-being, I have a trio of real estate-related stories for you uh, that are, are of interest in different ways. First of all, real estate values have slowed their growth, but they're still ridiculous. Ridiculous. Phoenix, number one in the country, went up 33 and a third percent home values in the last year. By a third in the last year. That's the most. San Diego was second, 26.2 percent. Almost got booted out of second place by Tampa. That was at 25.9 percent, for instance. And I think it's worth uh, remarking on the fact that we're talking uh, the desert southwest. Southern California, Florida. I mean, it's all over the country. The growth has slowed. It was even more monumental than that the previous year. But it's still, I mean, if the slowed growth is 26% year over year, holy cow. Now, according to Zillow, homes are taking a bit longer to sell. Number of available homes for sale is up, so it appears to be cooling off, but... You know, is it a, a cooling? Is it a, a peak? Is it a bubble? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. I wish I knew. Uh, second real estate story. 
Dateline San Francisco, while people are fleeing that formerly wonderful city as fast as they can, not everybody is. Some truly love it and are going to hang in there till they die, literally. For the last decade or so, luxury rental housing in San Francisco has all been all about the tech youngsters. They're making zillions of dollars. They want to live downtown. They're taking their Google buses out to Silicon Valley, uh, but they want to live and party in the city. So that's been the luxury market. Well, the city's next luxury housing project, listen to this now. It's for oldsters, senior citizens. This is your retirement community. Two-bedroom units starting at $16,600 a month, topping out at $27,000 a month. So you're paying $260K a year in rent. Residents at the 13-story Van Ness Avenue building, on the site of the former Cron 4 studio, that's one of the TV stations in the Bay Area, we know it well, They will get three meals a day prepared by a team of Michelin-rated chefs. You know, we've done pretty well in business. You know, I got a little money in the bank, but, man, this is, how how do you get so rich money? Three meals a day by a team of Michelin-rated chefs. This is like the best chefs on earth. There will be a formal dining room, a more casual spot, a cafe, and a bar with a full liquor license. Now you are talking. Or if residents prefer to eat in their unit, room service is available. Well, of course it is. At $27,000 a month, you better be able to send me a burger in my room. There will be a Mercedes Sprinter van to take groups of guests to exhibits at the uh, art museums, or a play at the American Repertory Theater, or chauffeured town cars available to whisk you downtown to the Palace of Fine Arts. The building will include on-site private health care facilities. That's right. They got their own, like, hospital there. (laughs) With treatment and diagnostic capabilities, fitness centers curated by Mayo Clinic, a movie theater, tailored nutrition and diet plans, yoga studios, heated pools, rooftop gardens, salons, and classes. Unbelievable. They're modeling it after this uh, a similar place in Manhattan, which has a long waiting list, and the rents there are over twenty grand a month. These are sophisticated urban seniors who would prefer to stay in their hometowns, he said. There are not a lot of options if their hometown happens to be big 24-hour cities like San Francisco, Manhattan, or Los Angeles. So, wow, 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 wow. I can't even imagine. little house near a golf course, near enough I can go on my golf cart, so if I have a couple of pops after the round, I don't have to worry too much. That's all I'm looking for. $27,000 a month. Good Lord. You know, I have one more real estate story. Do I have time for this? Ah, kind of, sort of. Yeah, why not? So, this is kind of the opposite. And it's such a nightmare. This is back to Freeattle, Seattle. Speaking of formerly wonderful cities, just you can't believe how great these cities were to hang out in until they were ruined by progressive policies. Everything woke turns to sh. It's a good boy, Mr. President. So it's a story of Aaron Cunningham. He lent $1.6 million to the owner of a couple of distressed properties. Did his due diligence. He's the CEO of a Spokane-based private money lender. And he did his due diligence, but he didn't do enough. The property owner's, uh, uh, the property's owner, rather, defaulted on his loans following a deadly arson at one of the buildings, which was an apartment building. Um, the Hillside Motel and the now vacant apartment building have long been hubs for drug dealing, prostitution, 
trafficking of stolen goods, and more. They're just crime central. Seattle police served a search warrant at one of the hotel rooms in uh, motel rooms in October. Seized 2,200 fentanyl pills, all sorts of meth, crack, seven dogs, four of them puppies, pit bulls, I'm sure. Suspect was identified in what police uh, spokesperson comp- uh, com- confirmed was part of a larger investigation to a major criminal enterprise. But so this guy ends up uh, owning this little motel and this uh, little apartment building. It is full of bums and junkies and criminals with no rental agreement, no title, no nothing. They just broke in there and they're squatting there and he can't get them out. He can't make them leave. I mean, he's going through the legal processes. They take months and months and thousands and thousands of dollars. Getting on bended knee, begging local government officials to do their jobs, the rest of it. And it's just astounding to me how not very long ago at all, and this is not nostalgia, this is a yearning for a return to sanity. Not very long at all. You would call the cop shop and say, hey, this is Joe Getty. I own the little, uh, you know, 10-bedroom motel here. And somebody broke in and is refusing to leave the room. Well, the cops, God bless them, would show up and at risk to themselves, make sure that that law, that breaking of the law was rectified, and they would boot their ass out. But now, evidently, if you break into somebody else's home or their property and you stay there overnight, all of a sudden you're not a criminal, you're a resident, I guess? So more of the uh, wrestling match this guy's involved in, plus all that other stuff we promised is going to be an action-packed hour. Stay with us. Don't go. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Some news from the White House uh, coming off some of his lowest approval rating numbers. Today, President Biden left for Europe, and his first stop is in Rome, where he's going to meet with Pope Francis. Now, however, the Vatican just canceled the live broadcast of the two of them meeting. Not a great sign for Biden when the Pope is like, I can't be seen with you right now. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no kidding. So more on, uh, more on the big... Call it whatever you want. Francification law, plus the at least 30% legitimate uh, infrastructure law that are kind of being tied together, whether they will even pass, whether they'll even have a vote. We're going to talk to Sarah Westwood with Washington Examiner uh, coming up in a little while. She used to be a regular guest on the show. It's been a while, so it'll be great to talk to her. But So getting back to the story out of Seattle, which I just find so interesting. It's so revealing about the age we're in. You know, I've said many times, uh, Jack, by the way, is, is under the weather, so I... Don't think he'll be joining us. He said he'd try to, you know, load himself up on meds and, and come on in at some point from home. But uh, anyway, we'll we'll soldier on without him for now. I wanted to finish the story out of Seattle. Uh, it, it, uh, here's a guy lends money for uh, a little motel and uh, like a four apartment little apartment building. The owner defaults on it, so this guy ends up owning it. So he's like, okay, let's figure out what we got. Um, and it turns out that during the previous financial troubles all sorts of uh, criminals had broken into 
the hotel and the little apartment building and are occupying it. So since foreclosing this summer, this guy Cunningham's been working to evict those who live there, including the drug dealers and pimps he say have taken over the hillside. Now, what, none of them are renters or anything. They have no agreement. They're just there. But the legal process is still in an early stage, and they've only recently, with assistance from the King County Sheriff's civil unit, were able to even identify by name people who are occupying the motel because you've got to start a long legal process and you've got to have people's names. Says this uh, guy who owns it, it's a nightmare. I've been doing this for 20 years. I've never had anything like this happen. That's because of the modern progressive policies in Seattle. But though Inland Capital, this company, never entered into any rental agreement with the pimps and criminals in there, um, he has no intention of operating the motel. He's notified the quote-unquote residents they need to vacate. We're not running a hotel here. I'm going to close this. I'm going to I'm going to tear it down. The company is now pursuing a court order to evict the squatters, who in some respects have the same legal rights as renters. An attorney who works on behalf of low-income people said facing uh, eviction that well they're they don't want to be forced out. They have no safe housing to move to. And uh, one resident says there there's no criminal activity here. We're just homeless. That's it. Uh, so he can't get them to leave. And what would usually be a straightforward civil court process gets a little murkier still with the COVID-19 moratorium on evictions. You can't evict a drug dealer who broke into your building and has no legal right to be there at all in Freeattle. This guy anticipates it'll cost fifty dollars to $100,000 in legal fees just to evict the drug dealers and pimps who have no right to be on his property. Compassion without order is chaos and lawlessness in the breakdown of civilization. It's what we're seeing in so many blue cities. It's just incredible. All right, speaking of lawless cities, what's uh, happening next in Washington, D.C.? In a moment, don't go away. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I know where you stand when you vote. So what I'm saying is, show up. Let let there be a Senate vote. I cannot vote on the infrastructure on the infrastructure package today with a yes because I need both of them to go together. And I've said it from the very beginning. We cannot have um, one part of infrastructure without having the other. Education is infrastructure. Housing is infrastructure. That's what we need. Way lefty Congresswoman Cori Bush making it clear that she and probably folks like her are not going to come around to voting on one bill than the other bill or keeping them separate or what have you. A lot of wrangling and not a lot of uh, progress, uh, judging by what I've seen. But Sarah Westwood has seen a whole lot more. Sarah is a political and investigative reporter for The Washington Examiner. Previously, she was White House reporter for CNN. And it is great to uh, talk to Sarah for the first time in a long time. Sarah, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Good. I'm sorry Jack is uh, homesick today. He'd be delighted to be chatting with you. We always enjoyed your uh, your appearances in, in years past. Anyway, uh, so I thought it was interesting that, that Joe Biden went before the Democratic caucus yesterday and said, essentially, this is my presidency. This is the House. This is the Senate. This is the Democratic Party. This is everything. And nothing really got done. That's right. It was sort of baffling that Joe Biden went to Capitol Hill ostensibly to, you know, sell his agenda in the 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 most likely way to get it passed and, and did not take a hard line on the bipartisan infrastructure package that's been languishing in the House for months now. I think that's something that obviously congressional leaders wanted to see how Speaker Nancy Pelosi tried unsuccessfully to get that bill to the floor 
for a vote. And Biden did not help her. And so there's obviously a big disconnect between the approach that Schumer and Pelosi have been taking and the one that Biden has been taking. And it's part of why uh, this this whole production has not really yielded anything. And that was sort of the most baffling aspect of Biden's appearance on Capitol Hill yesterday to me. Yeah, it's a good point. And then he's off to Europe for the uh, climate dealio and meeting with the Pope, et cetera. And so it's, uh, you know, back to Nancy's leadership, I guess. So at this point, if we're going to talk about the, the giant social spending bill, you can call it whatever you want. What appears to still be in it if they ever get to a vote? Well, right now, there are still some liberal priorities that were kept in the final legislative product, such as it is. But there's a lot that didn't make it. But what's still in it is a version of the child tax credit, the expanded child tax credit, something that Democrats hope will be so popular that Republicans won't be able to walk it back. There's still a lot of climate change provisions inside the bill, such as electric vehicle subsidies, things like that. And that makes up actually the largest line item in terms of spending that's that's still in the bill and we also still have free universal pre-k that's still in the framework but the stuff that got cut out of it is is sort of surprising some of the just central promises that democrats made when they set out to pitch this bill like lowering prescription drug prices like free community college expanding medicare to dental and vision None of those things made it into the final product, and progressives were obviously unhappy with that fact, although it appears that now they are going to uh, swallow this package, even though a lot of the promises they made to voters were really broken with this framework. Okay, a couple of questions about particulars, and uh, and some of the things like uh, paid leave. I get why they dropped that to federally... You know, subsidize three months of leave would be incredibly expensive. But like the the drug pricing thing, my understanding is, and, and partly from reading what you wrote, that the provisions in the law would have allowed the government to to negotiate lower drug prices with pharmaceutical companies. Why did that end up on the chopping chopping block? Ultimately, it was because they needed to get the cost of this bill down. That's something that would cost money if the government ended up, for example, having to subsidize uh, the cost of some medications. And they had to get the price tag of the bill cut essentially in half. I mean, $3.5 trillion was the price tag that the bill started at. And, uh, you know, all of those things that you mentioned, pay to leave, the Medicare expansion, the prescription drug lowering plan, would have cost a lot of money. And Democrats considered an approach initially that would have involved trying to do all of those things on a smaller scale and a shorter timeline to fit them all under a top-wide number that Senator Joe Manchin, Senator Kirsten Sinema could get behind. But it appears that the approach that they ultimately decided to go with was to do fewer things and fund them fully. And so some of their priorities had to get left out because of that. Yeah, allegedly fund them fully. A lot of their how we're going to pay for this mechanisms got dropped, like the corporate tax and the and the wealth tax ideas. So, you know, anyway, uh, just a quick question, because you're, you're a lot closer to these things than we are geographically and, you know, professionally. Um, we're curious, the free pre-K thing, one topic that we've never heard anybody discussing is the fact that there's already a terrible shortage of, uh, of, of people working in childcare in early childhood education, whatever. I mean, there's a huge shortage. And the idea that the federal government is then going to, 
subsidize and cause to pop up hundreds of thousands of more government paid for uh, child care facilities, essentially. Where in the world are they going to find the people to work there? Have you heard anybody (laughs) discussing that? You know, that's a great point. It's certainly not the only idea in the framework that's not fully fleshed out. And another concern that you hear related to the universal pre-K issue is that it could drive up the cost of, of early child care for parents who don't seek to, to do it through the public system that the Biden administration is trying to, to stand up. That typically happens when the government gets involved in these sorts of things like for example, with, with financial aid in college, it drives up the cost for those who aren't relying on the aid. So that's another concern that you hear associated with the free uh, universal pre-K. It's not clear how they're going to implement that. I mean, this framework is paper thin. It doesn't have a lot of meat on the bones right now. That's something that Congress is going to have to do. And they're still negotiating to try to get additional things added to the package after the fact. So, you know, it's not clear that they are all that close to a deal, but this is likely one of the items that is going to remain in the package when we get there. Yeah, I was just going to ask, Sarah Westwood is online. She's a political and investigative reporter for the Washington Examiner. What does your, after all the the, the uh, sets of wrangling and announcing that we'll vote Thursday, we'll vote next week, we'll vote on Friday, and just that this happened over and over again, do you feel like they're spinning their wheels, or do you think there's a decent chance they end up passing something? I do think that they are going to pass something. I think that at least if if Biden has done anything, it's to convince progressives that the alternative to what's on the table right now is not some bigger, better bill. The alternative is nothing. And so if they don't get behind what's out there right now, they're going to get nothing. And Democrats are not ones to walk away from government spending when they have an opportunity (laughs) to do so. And so I think that they are going to pass something progressives are sort of resigned to the fact that they've lost this round and uh and i think we're closer now than we have been in a long time sarah westwood of the washington examiner sarah we sure appreciate the time and your uh, your thoughts good to talk thanks thank you mm-hmm. well 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 i got to admit i was rooting in, fl- in favor of just complete gridlock I just, I, you know, and, and some of these, some of these programs are not idiotic. I mean, they're arguably an okay thing for the, uh, for the federal, federal government to be involved in. Well, they're already involved in a lot of this stuff, but just to change their involvement in ways that are better for the American people, for instance, and maybe not quite as good for the lobbyists. I'm not saying that every single aspect of this ought to be left alone completely, but I would much rather have a small government conservative approach to the extent that that even exists anymore in Washington, D.C., uh, deal with, um, deal with uh, some of these challenges. So I'm I'm rooting for complete gridlock and or at least you know not too many entitlements that are so popular that we can never get rid of them for the rest of our lives no matter how crappy they are. I mean the idea of government uh childcare. Government run bureaucrat manned childcare. You child for the little ones. I mean look at what's happening in the schools. You know whether it's the the teaching of truly perverse stuff, and we have uh, we have a couple of examples of that for you. Um, you got the, uh, the the entitlement of the school boards. We got this one gal making an impassioned speech about the kids, and the school board president says "f you" during the applause, thinking her mic was off. 
Got that story for you. Um, you know, you've, you've dealt with bad administrators, bad teachers. Uh, maybe it's violence at your school, just, you know, but my point is, you take that set of problems and then you apply it to the tiniest, youngest Americans who can't come home and say, hey, mom, dad, my teacher is saying stuff that's not what we believe in this family. And they're, in fact, she's yelling at anybody who, 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 who speaks out or who defends our point of view. They, a four year old can't do that, you know, or, or God forbid it should be abuse or something like that. Um, and, and I suppose, you know, Judy and I, though we were, we were pretty dang poor when our kids were little, you know, we had the opportunity to send our kids to a church run, really nice little preschool, um, for a few hours a day. And I understand not everybody has a few bucks laying around that they can do that. But the idea of permanent government child care manned by God knows who. And and how are they even going to get those people, given the labor shortage, particularly in early childhood education? And just as Sarah put it, there's not a lot of flesh on the bones. I don't know. This all stinks. It all, it you know, it, it all feels, you know that feeling you get when you're sitting in a, a timeshare pitch? Or some greasy guy's trying to sell you a used car or something like that? Man, I hear about this plan. I got the same feeling. I'm like, wait a minute. Who's going to run this? The government's, where are you going to get people? What people? How are you going to screen them? And if you screen them carefully, what are you going to have to pay them? And the American taxpayers paying for all this, and you don't even know how it's going to work? I'm out of here. I don't want your damn timeshare. I'm out of here. Unfortunately, <laughs> that we don't have that option if Congress passes this garbage. Well, enough of that. On to something else uh, completely different coming up. I'm trying to decide among our, our many choices what to go with. Mark Zuckerberg's announcement that he's going to stick us all in a video game for the rest of our lives. Facebook has become meta or uh, some of the school board abuse stuff. Well, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Whatever it is, it will be just compelling and fascinating coming up. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Did you guys see this? While talking to reporters, Senator Bernie Sanders was interrupted by a phone call, and people are talking about his loud ringtone. <laughs> Listen to the. So you're not on board with this framework as it's now drafted. I want to see it in language. I want to see it in, in proof. Uh, and again, I think it, I, 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 you know. Yeah, that's actually, that's actually not an old-timey ringtone. He actually has a rotary phone in his pocket. <laughs> I can only go 60 feet from my house before the... <laughs> then he picked up the phone by putting a horn in his ear. Hello! What? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. He's old. So uh, welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Glad you're, you're tuning in. It's been something to watch the governor's race in Virginia. And I know what you're thinking. I don't live there. I don't care. Unless you do live there and you care. But a lot of people are thinking, I don't live there. I don't care. Uh, but it's super interesting for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, that Terry McAuliffe, who, as we'll describe in a minute, the Democrat, is a, a longtime political hack and a phony. He has zero beliefs. None. He has no principles. He is just a political hack. He is so tied up with the school industrial complex, the unions, etc., uh, that he has, his soul has been so corrupted that he publicly said in that debate, famously, you've probably seen this, 
And and I should ask for the tape, because we have the tape. I don't think parents should be telling schools what to teach. I don't think parents should be telling schools what books they should read. Just just disdainful of the idea of parental involvement in schools. In spite of, you know, some of the perverse stuff, the racist garbage that's being taught to our kids, the, uh, the social justice stuff, call it critical race theory if you want. I'm not going to get into that. Uh, but And then the sexually explicit stuff. And I do want to get more into Terry McAuliffe in a minute or two. He's been, he was working for a law firm that specializes in if a, your daughter gets raped at school, the law firm specializes in tearing the girl down, silencing her, denying it happened or or finding a technicality that the school district and uh, or the, or the principal or whatever the people who try to cover it up they can't be held responsible his law firm is also completely in bed with the teachers unions and so as this has come out the really interesting thing about that race is he has gone from in a pretty darn good position pretty pretty good lead to a margin of error lead to now he appears to be down by six seven eight points depending on which you look at i mean you are messing with the mama bear and the daddy bear's cubs when you're treating kids like that at schools. And the rage over that and his attitudes is built that in incre- built in such a way that in increasingly blue Virginia, the guy looks like he might lose because he messed with us domestic terrorists, concerned parents who actually go to school board meetings or speak up when we don't like what we see. At any rate, uh, here is a father... In Orange County, Florida, a gent by the name of Jacob Engel. And he found what's being assigned to his kids and decided to read aloud from the book at the school board meeting. We'll tell you what happened to him for daring to read what his kids have been told they have to read in a minute. Clip 65. A passage from Gender Queer. Fast forward, we've been dating for two months. We've made out, we've had sex, we've moved on to sexting at work. I got a new harness today. I can't wait to put it on you. It will fit my favorite perfectly. You are going to look so hot. I can't wait to have your... Mr. Engels, yes. I, I appreciate the... Um, no way. I'd like, to continue, I'd like to continue reading. No, we're not going to read it. Sure. I'm sorry. I want to have your beliefs. You're out of order you the if you best. don't. Remove him from the chambers. Why? Our kids are reading this. Our kids are reading this. If you're quiet, I will answer your questions. Why are you school? I understand that 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 book is in the classroom, and the language that he just read is inappropriate for this forum. Then why is it inappropriate? I have the floor. I'm respectful to you when you speak. If you're respectful to me, it will take another Oh, Oh, yeah, you're respectful. You silence the guy, then had the cops drag him out. He's a gay man, by the way. And he said, this is not appropriate. They stopped him from reading what the children are required to read. Said this is not appropriate for this forum, which is all adults at a meeting discussing the schools and how they are run. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? According to the Daily Beast, which is, if it were still a print publication, it would not be fit to line my parrot's birdcage. Uh, Engels is a journalist and uh, has ties with the far-right political group, the Proud Boys. 
Okay, so your defense against assigning porn to children is that the guy who brings it up is a bad guy. He's part of a bad group. I read about him in the Daily Beast. He's part of a scary group. He's he's probably a one of those alt-right types. Uh, excuse me, I'm not, by the way. Uh, so if you'd like to drag him out by his ears, have the cops drag him out for reading aloud from what the kids have to read, I'll take over because I'm not a member of the Proud Boys. I don't think the children should be reading this, and I'm going to take up the reading. Then they're going to drag me out. Then what are they going to say is my deal? Unbelievable. And this is what we're talking about when we talk about how off the rails schools have gotten. Southern California, Los Alamitos Unified School District. Uh, This woman, a concerned parent, gave a fiery speech about the idea of vaccine mandates for kids. The kids are hardly at any risk. She's concerned about possible side effects. It's a new vaccine. Little children should not be getting it was her point. Uh, Any possible benefit outweighed the risks. Well, she accused one school board member of criticizing parents for voicing their legitimate concerns and drew applause. She said, we're vocal because we are children's biggest advocates. And several people applauded. And Marlis Davidson, the board's president, was picked up on a hot mic saying, F you, during the applause. Davidson issued an apology when she was busted, by the way. I hope they'll accept my sincere apology. If it was a sincere apology, there's a chance it would be accepted, but it's not. It's not at all. It's a completely insincere apology, and nobody's buying it. Government schools, folks, if you have to have your kids in them, and I understand, keep an eye on them. Go to the meetings. Keep a close eye. If you ever miss part of the Armstrong and Getty Show, you can get it via podcast wherever you like to do that. Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty.